0: Mecca, chapter three, and I said, here you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin off from my people, from off of my people, and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and lay and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets, who lead my people astray, who cry, Peace, when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore it shall be night to you, without vision and darkness to you, without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced. And the diviners put to shame, they shall cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe, its priests teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money, yet, They lean on the Lord and say, Is it not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountains of the house a wooded height. May God bless the reading of his word. Now let's turn our time over to Minister Jeff.
1: There was once a young man who came into a position of power. It happened almost overnight, and this young man had to decide how he would use this power. Would he use it to help others, or would he use it to help himself? Now, incidentally, around that time, a a robbery was happening. The young man, in his new position of power, witnessed this robbery. And though he had the power to stop it, To do something about it, he chose not to. He let the robber go. But in a turn of events, that robber would later cross paths with the young man's uncle, shooting and killing him. The same uncle who told this young man, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, the young man was Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So yes, this is not a true story, but it's still the story that holds that famous quote, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's something that we'll see in our passage today. Up to this point, we've been working our way through the book of Micah. In Micah 1, we see the prophet Micah bring an indictment against all of Israel and Judah for their idolatry. The Lord will judge the nation for its idolatry. In Micah 2, Micah indicts the people of Israel for oppressing the poor among them, exploiting them out of greed. The Lord will judge his people for oppressing the weak and the poor. Last week, we took a break from the Micah series for our annual Whole Church Social Concerns Conference. The theme was Reframing Justice, and we invited our speakers, Kurt Verbeek and Joanne Van Engen to share about the justice work they have been doing in Honduras. Now, if you missed those three messages, you can actually still watch them on the Social Concerns website. And hopefully you do. They did an incredible job explaining justice and demonstrating what that looked like in their context, in the country that they were in. They shared stories of seeking and doing justice, not just on an individual level, but on a nationwide level. Not just giving a man or a woman a fish, or even teaching a man or a woman to fish, but addressing the underlying issues and the metaphorical river that would even lead us to reference this proverb in the first place. Now, What might Spider-Man have to do with justice work that Kurt and Joanne did in Honduras? On the one hand, with great power comes great responsibility. It's true. They had to partner with other churches, other organizations, those in the government, those in power, in positions of power, in order to address some of the underlying issues that contributed to things like corruption or lack of education. On the other hand, what we see uh, with Spider-Man and, and probably a, a many other superheroes is them seeking justice on a merely individual level. They beat a bad guys and once in a while they take down a big villainous boss only for another one to take its place. It doesn't really address the underlying issues of why there are so many villains in the first place, but I guess it's a comic or a movie, and we can't really expect to sit there for 90 minutes watching Spider-Man analyze data and make PowerPoint decks like the one we saw last week that compare the number of, uh, the number of school days required by law uh, with the, number, uh, the far lesser number of school days actually attended by students. In that situation, Spider-Man's powers like his spidey sense and web-slinging seem really useless. Uh, tackling underlying justice issues like what we saw last week doesn't make for a great summer blockbuster, but it does make for a better society. Now for our passage this morning, uh, Micah takes this quote, with great power comes great responsibility, and he applies it specifically to those in positions of power, to those in leadership. And in our passage, we're going to see two main points and also two groups of people that Micah applies this to. So if you're at home, take out your Bibles, follow along and turn with me to Micah chapter 3, 1 to 2. Here's the first point that we're going to see. With great power comes great responsibility to know and do justice. This is coming from verses 1 to 4 and 9 to 12. So let me read it again. And I said, Here, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people? and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people, and flay their skin from off them, and break their bones in pieces, and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Verse nine. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe, its priests teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money, yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain the house a wooded height. Who is Micah talking to here? Do you notice that these two sections both address the heads of the house of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel? Micah is talking to the leaders of this nation. These are the people in positions of power. This is the first group that Micah brings up. Civil leaders are to know and do justice. Both sections begin with this command to hear, to to listen up. same thing that we saw back in chapter 1, where Micah says here, Hear, you peoples, all of you. Pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Micah is denouncing the rulers of Israel as people in positions of power who distort and detest justice. These are the leaders, the heads of the nations. Look what Micah says, is it not for you to know justice? Justice is something that they should have an intimate knowledge of and should be applying that knowledge, that justice, to the people around them. But no, instead, Micah says, You who hate the good and love the evil. There's a complete reversal here. You're supposed to love good and hate evil. And, or maybe as imperfect, sinful humans, we might even love good and also love evil. But nope. These guys, these rulers, they love evil and hate good. And as the nation's leaders, this is what they do. Verses 2-3. to three, You who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them, and break their bones in pieces, and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. There's probably two ways to kind of look at this. On the one hand, these civil leaders are depicted as metaphorical cannibals. They prey on the people. More specifically, they prey on my people. That is, God's people. But what also stands out is how the people themselves are depicted. They're likened to animals. No dignity, no imago Dei image of God. They have been reduced to being used for the sustenance of Israel's leaders. Flesh to be eaten. Bones to be broken, to be made into soup. And Micah's not done. Skip ahead to to verse 10. He addresses them again, You who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. These civil leaders, these rulers, are building their nation with the blood of the people. The building block is iniquity, transgression, sin against these people, and against God. With great power comes great responsibility to know and do justice. Civil leaders are to know and do justice. Israel's leaders had failed. They perverted justice. Its judges sought bribes. They hated good and loved evil. God's word to us this morning is a reminder that God cares about justice. And he cares that people in positions of power, like civil leaders, like these rulers, that they know and do justice. We saw last week some of the examples of that with Kurt and Joanne in Honduras. But we also know that injustices doesn't just happen in other countries. It also happens in our own. I look at Micah's words in verses 2 to 3, and there it's a stark reminder that the indictment that Micah brings against the tearing of flesh and the breaking of bones is an indictment that still happens today. We see it quite literally through the act of abortion. We also see it metaphorically and maybe even literally through racial injustice and the oppression of marginalized groups of people. Kurt and Joanne talked about the quartet of the vulnerable, the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, the poor, these groups that are mentioned in Scripture that God shows a concern for. Now, in both cases, it's the abuse of power against those who historically have been defenseless. And as Christians, all that matters, both matter. The issue of abortion matters. The issue of racial injustice and marginalized groups matter. And the passage is, is highlighting for us this morning that civil leaders in positions of power have a great responsibility to know and do justice. Yes, this means that we as Christians care that or abortion ends. We care that civil leaders, civil leaders care that abortion ends. But we also care for children who aren't aborted and, and now will grow up in our society. We also care for the the women who feel the need to have an abortion. And we care for the women who have gone through an abortion, whether it was because they felt like they had no choice or for any other reason. And civil leaders seeking out and doing justice in all of these areas, all of these areas, should also care about the underlying issues of why abortion exists in the first place. This also means that we as Christians care about marginalized groups of people. I'm in the sanctuary now recording Recording this sermon a few hours ago, I arrived at church ready to do all of this. It was about eleven p.m., middle of the night. Total darkness. Uh, when I arrived at church, I was driving along. Saw that there were several ca- cars along that lawn path to the sanctuary, and, and many lights. They were police officers. I didn't know what was going on. It looked like they were talking to some kids. Now, I didn't fear for my life. I had no issue going straight first to the church office, picking up my tripod, and walking straight out without fear of getting shot or questioned that I was stealing something. I then drove straight up to the police car, rode down my window, introduced myself, made sure they were okay, made sure the kids were okay, and said that. they needed anything, I'd be in the sanctuary recording this. Shortly afterwards, I went out to check on the whole situation. And a different cop had pulled up to the sanctuary lot and and saw me walking out of the building towards him. Again, middle of the night, super sketch. And he asks me, are you a manager for the church? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor or a minister or whatever. He said, okay. And we carried on. Not everyone is afforded the interaction that I was given tonight. Whether it was because of these upstanding character and behavior uh, of these police officers or whether it was because of the color of my skin. As we hear from God in this passage that addresses civil leaders, I think many of us right now have different people in mind that we feel that this passage applies to. But I urge you, we have to be really careful because this passage does not explicitly name any of those people to the exclusion of others. And so I would hope that we, as faithful, mature Christians, would apply God's Word as wisely and faithfully and prayerfully as possible. And even so, we might still end up with different names according to our convictions. But assuming that we have done this as faithfully and discerning as possible, there might be some truth to all those names. And it would, be, it would benefit us greatly as the church to learn to listen to one another, and to not break fellowship. Because when God's word through Micah to us is that with great power comes great responsibility to know and do justice, and he's talking specifically about civil leaders, he's talking about all civil leaders. They are to know and do justice. Now, look also at what Micah says. He indicts them not just for the things they do, but also for who they are, the way they are. These rulers of Israel are people who hate good and love evil. Verse 2, who detest justice. Verse 9, These are leaders who presume upon the Lord and they claim, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. It's a destructive pride that deceives them into believing they were indestructible. And I think Micah in this passage makes the point that this kind of destructive nature and behavior comes because the heads of Israel do not have God as their head. Three times in our passage, Micah talks and references the heads of Israel. But look how the previous chapter ended. Micah is talking there about God remaining faithful to his covenant promises and and gathering a a remnant of Israel who would be led by him. Verse 13, He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. Their king passes on before them the Lord at their head. And immediately, in the next verse, Micah denounces the heads of Israel. Civil leaders are to know and do justice. What happens when they don't? The Lord will judge the injustice of civil leaders. They bring judgment from God and destruction upon themselves and their community. Both sections end with this consequence, this judgment. And if you notice, there's an individual consequence, and, but also a corporate one. So verse 4, Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at the time because they have made their deeds evil. If they don't listen, God won't listen. There will be silence. And the reason is because they have made their deeds evil. Meaning, they are the cause of this. It is a conscious choice for them to hate good and love evil. Verse 12, Micah gives the uh, corporate consequence. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. The leaders bring destruction upon their own community. Now, granted, from the past two chapters, it doesn't seem like the rest of the nation were that good either. But here, Micah singles the civil leaders out. Therefore, because of you, your city will be destroyed. And that's quite alarming. What difference does it make for us? At the very least, it, it means that God cares about justice. Yeah, justification matters to God. So does justice. Perhaps sometimes we get caught up in trying to show how Christianity is, is different from culture, and, and there's a lot of differences for sure, and it's good to point them out, and there's a good purpose to that. But there's also some areas where Christianity and culture might align. And I think justice, perhaps in a very general sense, is one of those areas. We might have different thoughts about how to go about it, or or, uh, especially different motivations, but when we read passages about God's concern for the poor, the defenseless, the widow, orphan, foreigner, and these passages about leaders abusing their power and failing to do justice, yeah, it's, it's good that God cares about this. And it's good to show that others, to show the world that justice comes from God. So the first point was this. With great power comes great responsibility to know and do justice. Here's the second point. With great power comes great responsibility to speak against injustice. Verses 5 to 8 Micah shifts the attention, his attention in the middle of his speech to address a second group now spiritual leaders, the priests and the prophets. Spiritual leaders are to speak against injustice. Our passage is set up in this ABA sandwich format. Micah addresses the civil leaders at the beginning and at the end. And right in the middle is are the spiritual leaders. And in each of the sections, the word justice is used. So what's the point of all of this? Well, you have these civil leaders building up their nation in sin and devouring their people. And you would expect that the the prophets would say something about that, do something about that. Instead, the the prophets and the priests are people also in positions of power who lead the people astray with duplicitous messages. They themselves contribute to the injustice. Verse 5, thus says the Lord concerning uh, the prophets who lead my people astray. Who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths? These prophet-seeking prophets compromise their message. In verse eleven, its prophets teach for a price. Its uh, its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. They give one message to those who feed them. They give another message to those who don't. They don't care about what comes from the mouth of God, but rather they care about what goes into their own mouths. And Micah puts himself forward now as a prophet in contrast. Verse 8, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. What the other prophets failed to do, were supposed to do, Micah actually did. Micah is also in a position of power, but that power comes from the spirit of the living God. And look what Micah does now, being filled with power, with justice, with might. He points out the transgressions and sins of Israel. He calls sin out for what it is. It's sin. What difference does it make today, though? If I might share from this passage, I am no prophet, I am no priest, but I am part of the pastoral staff for Crossbridge and for CBCGB, and therefore a spiritual leader. And this passage is a strong reminder, a, a warning even, to myself and the rest of the leadership of this church and, and every other church that we can't always be silent. But we, like Micah, must speak against injustices, must lead our people, God's people, in navigating these complicated situations. And of course, always by the power of the Spirit in accordance with his word and with much grace, love, humility, and truth. And it's not always easy to do so. We see how the prophets and the priests, they lead God's people astray with a message that is twisted to fit the ears of those who are hearing it and for the benefit not of the people, but of their leaders. That temptation is something that spiritual leaders, preachers even today face. Will we compromise the message of the gospel? Will we ignore justification and justice and preach a different message that puts food on our table rather than spiritual food in the hearts of God's people? I think we can take encouragement from Micah's example and his story. One hundred years later, the prophet Jeremiah is also speaking against Judah for their sin. Jeremiah 26. The priests and prophets didn't like what he was saying and wanted to put him to death. But the officials and the elders, they rise up and they respond with this. this. This man does not deserve the sentence of death. For he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. And they remembered the words of Micah. Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and said to all the people of Judah, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. That's verse 12. They continue on saying, Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah, put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he had pronounced against them? But we are about to bring great disaster upon ourselves. Micah's words were heard back then, and, and they were heard a hundred years later. And those words even saved Jeremiah's life. This is actually, I think, the only Old Testament passage that is cited by another part of the Old Testament. Now, what about for those of us in this church who are not leaders? And that's probably almost all of you listening. Pray for us. Pray for the 12 deacons, 7 elders, and 11 pastors. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, we pray for the world. We pray for current events and what is going on in our country and its country's leaders, our country's leaders. We also pray for our church and its services. This service, that the gospel will be proclaimed. Now, it's a bit unfortunate because every time I'm trying to encourage us to attend prayer meeting, it always happens after it's too late. His service is after a prayer meeting, and then we have to wait a week. So, spiritual leaders are to speak against injustice. What happens when they don't? The Lord will judge the duplicitous silence of spiritual leaders. Verses 6 to 7, Therefore it shall be night to you without vision, in darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners diviners, put to shame. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. Silence from the spiritual leaders means silence from God. With great power, comes great responsibility to know and do justice and to speak against injustice. Civil and spiritual leaders alike in positions of power are to do just that. May the God of justice, peace, and righteousness lead and help us as we do so. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your word, for your word that might be a wake-up call to some of us, a reminder, a warning, a challenge, an encouragement for us to know and do justice, to speak against injustice. We ask, Father, that you would help us as we follow after you to love you more, to love your people more, to love the people in this world more, and to to look and seek after justice in our communities, in our homes, in in our workplaces, uh, in our country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.